The reading is taken from 1 Samuel, chapter 17, verses 1 to 50. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Socho in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Socho and Azekar. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with a valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons. And in Saul's time, he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, 
the Philistine, champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his father's family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes his disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, for he has been fi a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over, and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at we with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. 
David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands." As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. You right, read that, you know, you should get a, a little round of applause. Why not? You never know what verse you're going to get given when you sign up. It could just be one verse, but you get 50. Yeah. I try to shorten it by about eight verses. That's all I managed to, to cut out. Well, wonderful. Um, I'm Ollie Benyon. I'm the associate vicar here. It's great to, to see you all. And um, we're starting a, a new preaching series for the next few weeks entitled Seeing Life from Unusual Angles. And we're going to be looking at some famous stories in Scripture from, the different, perspectives, from different perspectives so we can understand and discover a little bit about God from, from their vantage point. And tonight we'll be looking at this famous battle between the Israelites versus the Philistines from the perspective of Goliath. Yes. I'm going to pray as we uh, tackle this passage. Lord, we thank you for your word and for how amazingly vivid and lifelike and so exciting it is to read. Help us as we tackle and look at a, 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 a story that is maybe very well known to many of us. Help us to maybe see something slightly different and uh, be challenged in a, a new way today. In your name, amen. Well, there are probably very few uh, Bible verse passages in the Bible that are more well known than David and Goliath. And what is not to love about this story? Um, who here today has not felt the terror caused by a bully like Goliath in that in the maybe in the playground at school or at work or wherever it is? This giant of a man who boasts as though he's invincible and he appears to have the armory and the biceps to back it up. And who of us can resist the innocence of the young man, shepherd boy, who simply cannot understand why this man is able to defy the armies of the living God? It is the story of a sling and a stone versus a sword, spear and javelin. Of a defiant military aggression versus purity and faith. Of right versus might of tall versus short, of youth versus maturity. This is a story that has brought faith to millions over the years because what we witness in these, in these verses is the undoing of everything the world sees as power, as might, as success, 
It's all undone by the obedience of a young boy who says, it's the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. So just give a little bit of a background to the story. Um, the tribes of Israel, um, under Joshua's leadership, had settled into the center highlands, while the Philistines had gone to the coastal uh, lands along the plains and on the kind of the southwest. And the threat to the Philistines posed to Israel was so significant, it was one of the main reasons why they had requested for a king in the first place. Now, the Philistines would have believed that a nation's strength was connected with the God that they served. So any nation that conquered another nation did so because they had, you know, a, sub, a kind of a superior God. And while Saul and the Israelite army had seen success over the Philistines in a battle uh, in, the, in the Israel's center highlands, now the battle had moved to the foothills between Israel and the Philistine territory. You know, to the Philistines, you know, Israel's God was only the God of the hills, not the valleys. Now, this is their God's territory. This is their battle to be won. And so in verse 2, Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. And the Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. I had a kind of a real vivid picture. Now, the valley of Elah was, uh, was not a narrow ravine that maybe we see in a, a storybook, you know, the kids, and it's like a small little bump. Um, but it's more like a vast canyon about a mile wide. And at the bottom of this canyon would have been a, a stream, uh, kind of a, bed, a stream bed. And on one side of this stream bed would have been a giant slope of about half a mile up. And on the other side would be another giant slope of half a mile up. And on one side, the army of the Israel, and the other side, the army of the Philistines, all looking at each other. And then we meet um, our champion, Goliath. Verse 4, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was, translated, nine feet tall. I have... Uh, a confession to make. I'm going to bring this out. I haven't said this before. Um, over the, the years, I have done a few strange jobs in my time to make some money. I don't know. You may have a few odd jobs you've done. Um, I have juggled in Sainsbury's to advertise Uncle Ben's rice. I know. Pretty random. Uh, I have done kids' parties dressed as a Power Ranger. And I've uh, done a few school discos as uh, DJ Obi-Wan. And... Um, one of the strangest jobs, though, I've done must be this one. I did, uh, I was required me to become a gladiator at an Oxford College ball. I know, I know. I know what you're thinking. This tall, skinny guy is probably not gladiator material. Maybe I was 10 years ago. Who knows? Well, the money was good. They, 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 they booked me without seeing me, so I thought maybe I could, I could pull this gig off. So for the next couple of weeks, I went into strict training of press-ups, pull-ups, and other ups, and in the hope I could get some element of muscle definition on my um, slightly skinny body. And um, I even went to the extreme lengths of using fake tan. I know, this is a one-off, okay? This is my confession, a bit of fake tan and um, some um, baby oil. As I was told... 
this could enhance the illusion of definition on my body. And on the night of the ball, I was tanned, I was oiled, dressed up in armor, carrying uh, juggling knives and supposed to juggle these things. And I was told to stand in the courtyard looking tough and menacing. Yes. Uh, for six hours, I stood there flexing every muscle in my body, trying to look the part. Now, I did think about if I should show a picture of me, but I thought that would be inappropriate. All right, I'll show you a picture. Go on. You can have a quick picture of me. Is it coming up? There I am. I know. I'm not... <laughs> That's 10 years ago, folks. Um, you can take that down. No, there is no way I was going to show you a real picture. Um, okay, I might have been a lame warrior, but the champion Goliath that we're looking at now uh, was the real deal when it came to physical presence. You know, he didn't need fake tan or baby oil. Um, he was a proven warrior that brought fear, not just to a few, but an entire army. And now we're given some details about this man because it's really helpful for us to just grasp in our heads what he was like. Now, his height was somewhere near nine foot nine inches tall. Now, that, uh, that is huge. And he was wearing what we would call like a coat of chain mail that went down to his knees that weighed apparently between 175 and 200 pounds. Now, that I've discovered, I measured up my family today, is, is heavier than my entire family. So and that's five of us. And that's just the coat of chain mail alone. He wore uh, a bronze helmet and bronze leggings, and he carried a bronze javelin. And it talks about the head of this spear weighing 25 pounds. I had a quick Google that if you went on a Ryanair flight, that would cost you 70 pounds for a return ticket uh, to put that javelin head in your baggage. Anyway, he also had a shield carrier who walked before him, who had carried a shield that was the size of a human, uh, a full-grown man. And his job was to just run ahead of Goliath, carrying this man-sized shield as this double protection. Now just take a moment to, to imagine such an imposing sight. Imagine how terrifying it would have been to take on a man of this size, protected by this, this amount of armor. You know, clearly the odds were stacked against anyone who would be foolish enough to face this man in battle. And it says in verse 8, And Goliath stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel, saying, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you are not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. The challenge has been given. The best of your lot versus the best of us. Last man standing wins. Now the obvious candidate to fight Goliath, who is also described as head and shoulders above the rest, was Saul. But this man, he was too terrified to fight him. And so fear grips the Israelite army. And for 40 days, Goliath came and defied the people of Israel and the God they served. And this is where we leave the Israelites, you know, feeling alone. They're terrified of what is standing in front of them. That is until the young boy David comes to the scene. 
On day 41, things looked a little different from Goliath's perspective. He was used to his enemies running away from, in fear. But now he faced the challenger unlike anyone he'd ever seen before. One that looked different to anything he'd seen, acted different to anything he'd seen, and he sounded different to anything he'd seen. Goliath was about to witness what someone looks like when they are transformed by the knowledge and power of God. What it looks like when someone depends and their whole life on God. And so I think the first thing I imagine Goliath saw or noticed in this man approaching him was his appearance. It says in verse 42, He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Now, why did, he, why did he despise him? Well, because in Goliath's eyes, this was not a worthy challenger. You know, he was a puny little squirt of a man. Not even a man, he was just a boy. Goliath, he was the ultimate warrior. Far stronger, more experienced than his challenger. You know, he had victories under his belt. People, he probably just, they, they thought he was extraordinary. But what he failed to see, and as we all do, is our strength and our ability is no match when we're faced against the creator king. It made no difference David's size. For God, time and time again, he, doesn't, he takes those the world sees are weak and uses them to expose those who think they are powerful and mighty and strong. A thousand years later, God would send his son in the form of a baby to be one of us. Many looked at him and thought he was weak and thought he was powerless. But it is at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And that is how God operates. He magnifies his name, not through our strength, not through our ability, but through our weakness. We don't have to be eloquent or strong or handsome. We don't have to be beautiful or brilliant or have all the answers to be used by God. Because he honors our faith. And all that he asks uh, us is that we trust him. That we stand before him with integrity and with faith. And he'll, he'll win those battles that face us. God is just waiting for his moment. Waiting for us to trust him so he can empower us to battle those giants that, that face us every single day. So the challenge of this first point is simple here. Don't be fooled into thinking that you've got things all sorted. You know, that you can live your life easily. That even your Christian life relying on your own ability. It's so easy for us to do it. We, it's like our default. But don't be fooled into thinking that. As Christians, we need to come to him. Come to the Lord, our Father, with humility, knowing that the gifts that we all have, and some of us, have, you know, we know some of the things that the Lord has blessed us with, they are God-given. Now, Goliath might have discovered this truth of God's power a little late, as he saw that pebble making its way to his face. The other thing he may have discovered in this, uh, in this character approaching him would have been his fearless attitude. 
the fearless attitude of David as he came to him. Up to this point, Goliath's enemies, he had looked terrified. Now he was, this, Goliath, he was this arrogant, proud bully, wasn't he? he? And he prouded himself in the fact that everyone was scared of him on his great military victories, on his fame. And that's the temptation we all face, to put too much dependence on our own achievements, our degree, our wealth, our family, uh, maybe our own, just our own provision. But the man that faced Goliath acted differently to anyone he'd ever faced before. For one, he wasn't wearing any armor or he wasn't carrying a sword. He, he had no military experience, but there was something about him that looked fearless. And in front of everyone, uh, this man David, he walked out of Saul's tent and out of the Israelites' battle lines, he walked down the hill towards the Philistines to that stream at the bottom. And he grabbed a few stones and he put them in his bag. And then, verse 40, with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. David was acting like he was 12 feet tall and he could eat his enemies for breakfast. You know, he wasn't waiting for his enemy to come. He was making the first move. He walked up to this massive creature unintimidated. And intimidation is often our major battle when we face giants. When they intimidate us, we get, we get tongue-tied. Our thoughts get confused. We forget to pray. We focus on all the odds that are against us. We forget who we represent. And we stand there with our knees knocking, uh, just scared. But David's eyes, they weren't on the giant. Intimidation played no part in his life. You know, while his army described Goliath as a man who came out to defy Israel, David sees him as defying the armies of the living God. The Israelite troops see a terrifying and seemingly impenetrable force, but David sees only an uncircumcised Philistine who worships a God that's not even alive. David approaches Goliath not because he's brave, because he knew that even though that what faced him was humanly impossible, he knew that God was far stronger than was, that was facing him. And I'm sure as David was walking forth, I'm sure that Goliath saw this fearless attitude and maybe it put a little doubt in his mind. He, maybe he's thinking either this boy is just crazy or he has a secret weapon that I am not aware of. But no one stands up to someone like me like this. I remember during my uh, last year of primary school, I was um, allowed to start um, taking my way to school by going on the school bus. And um, I was pretty small back then. Um, and obviously I bulked up um, a little later. But I was pretty small back then. But um, I, I was, So I was often a bit of a target for being pushed around by certain people. And, um, but for this one year, I was able to get onto that bus with complete confidence that I would be, I'd be okay. And the reason was, at that point, my, my big sister, she was 11 years older than me, was also on that bus. And she was one of those cool kids who sat at the back of the bus, you know, probably smoking a cigarette, back at the bus, you know, looking cool. And, uh, and just the knowledge of the fact that she was there looking out for me meant that though I looked small and vulnerable, I felt invincible. 
And I think David had this on some extreme level. There was no question in his mind that the Lord was with him and would fight his battles. See, Goliath had no idea what he was about to face. and He just saw a weak little boy, and he was blind to the fact that his father was, was looking out for him. And if he did, if he saw that, you know, he would have fallen to his knees and he would have surrendered. He would have gone, no way am I fighting you. But instead, Goliath, he began mocking him. Verse 43, am I dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh the birds and the wild animals. I think the final thing Goliath would have noticed was the words that were going to be spoken to him. There wouldn't be many people who, who would hear um, this abuse and the threat to their lives and not be terrified uh, but this boy, though his army he represented were cowering kind of under their tents, he began to speak as one who commanded the greatest army of them all. And David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And verse 47, all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and will give all of you into our hands. There is great power in speaking out the word of God. Now, I think... David would have been strengthened by speaking out those words and speaking out about the, the Lord who he serves. And I think Goliath would have been, it sounded like he was brought to silence after hearing it. Our faith increases when we know the promises of God and we, and we speak them out, don't they? Well, I think we all know that. Many of us know that. You know, promises to supply, supply all our needs and it says in Philippians 4, or in Romans 8, when it says promises that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Or promises in Isaiah 40, where it says promise to give power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And I think it's really important for us to be reminding ourselves of these promises, to pray into them. I don't know if you've ever, uh, uh, you know, get out your Bible and you find a list of promises and just pray into them, to know them into, in your heart. So when you are faced with particular challenges, those giants in your life, then you know the promises of God. And as David starts running towards Goliath, the last words that are ringing in Goliath's head are these, the battle is the Lord. The battle is the Lord. You know, the victory is already decided. That's why this boy is so confident. For his secret weapon is the God he serves is not limited to a place or dependent on his vast army or his strength or his ability, but it is in the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and he is on the side of the Israelites. Oh no. Bonk. As the stone smacks him in the head. As it hits in his head, everything that Goliath had depended on, all his strength and his ability, it just comes crumbling down. And are you trying to do 
your own battle today? Are you trying to deal with it? You know, trying to fight it in your own way, depending on your, your own ability. Well, you can't, but God can. And he's saying to you, you do it in my way, and I'll honor you. You do it in your way, and you're going to fall and fail. The battle is mine. And a thousand years later, Jesus would tell his disciples, right at the end of Matthew in verse 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Basically he's saying, Jesus is the source of power. Jesus is the source of all of it. And therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, Jesus has opened up the way for it not just to be to the Israelites, but it's to be available to us all. And verse 20, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, we have even more reason than David to have confidence in the Lord, for, for he now lives in us. Now, what Goliath got wrong in all this is what we're all tempted to believe. You know, the best person to depend on in life is myself. But let us not be a Goliath. Let's examine our hearts and our thoughts and seek to remove any arrogance or pride that stops us from letting Jesus be the king of our lives. We, we, we can ask the Holy Spirit because he lives in us. We can ask the Holy Spirit now to ask him to, just to reveal which areas in our lives have become those kind of giants. And what David, though, also showed both his brother, his king, the entire Israelite army, and, and now Goliath, is the only one who deserves all our trust and all our obedience is the Lord Almighty. You know, everything else will fail us. Everything else will come crumbling down if we, if we put our, uh, our, our, kind of, uh, our trust in those things. But those who trust the Lord, there will be people who look different, they will act differently, and they will speak differently. They will look different because they know that in our weakness, God brings his strength. They will act differently because they will live in the confidence that the king who fights our battles. And they will speak differently because they all know God's truth is something we can depend on. These aren't just words in a book that we can just pick up every so often. They are things that we can live a life on. For they are words that both build us up and remind us of what God has promised us and as our best weapon in bringing any giants that we might face down. So I just want to ask, are you living today with this, with this confidence? This confidence that this young boy David had. It is available to all who, who want to put their trust in the living God. I'm just going to pray as we finish. Lord God, we thank you that you are a God that doesn't just look at the outside our achievements and our abilities, but you ask us to, to put our trust completely in you. And Lord, if any of us here this evening are, are just being a bit like Goliath and we are depending on our own strength and our own ability, help us to, to give those things over to you now. And Lord, help us to be more, more like David who completely trusted you, that, you, that you're going to be there fighting our battles. And Lord, I just ask your Holy Spirit to, to just reveal in us right now 
where we need to, to let go of certain things in our lives that are that is not helpful and learn how to cling on to you. In your name, amen.